I'm John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of The Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website. Our latest uh, print edition hits the streets earlier today across New York City. You can also uh, find our latest news at independent.org. That's I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot O-R-G. So uh, as I was saying, the December-January double issue of The Independent hit the streets today. Our cover story looks at the NYPD's hyper-aggressive policing of protests since the George Floyd demonstrations subsided at the end of June. Most of these protests are small, and the and the police violence and int- intimidation they endure takes place away from the eye of the media. Uh, these protests cover a variety of causes, including Black Lives Matter, immigrant rights, uh, tenant evictions, and, and many others. So the, uh, these protests, as I, as I was saying, often go overlooked in the media, but not at the Independent. The Independent's Amr Gagarin has covered dozens of protests since this summer and experienced firsthand the overwhelming presence of the NYPD at even the smallest of protests. So she used that as a jumping off point for her cover article titled Black Lives Matter Backlash, The NYPD's War on Protesters Intensifies. Amba, thank you for joining us on the show this evening. Hi, great to be here. Sure thing. Uh, great great work on your on your article. So just for starters, uh, can you give us a sense of what it's like to be at a protest these days uh, here in New York City, uh, e- even when it's a, a fairly uh, small affair? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm speaking generally here, and, of course, each protest is, is different. But, um, uh, you know, as a little bit of backstory for those who don't know, there were these huge protests up until June, and then um, that sort of, I mean, New York always has, you know, protests, but that sort of created a lot of momentum and new organizers stepped up. And at least until the end of September, there was still a daily protest. And now we're still seeing weekly protests um, for black liberation and for Black Lives Matter. But as you mentioned, also for other reasons. And so these protests are more like 50 to 200 people in the streets. And uh, the majority of those that I've been covering have been met with a really intimidating level of police, um, you know, presence at at, at the least, and and usually, you know, some sort of violence. Uh, For example, the other day, there was a a tenant um, rights protest at the Brooklyn Housing Court that was led by a coalition of of tenants organizations, uh, tenants rights organizations, and uh, we were kettled on the sidewalk, um, and some of the protesters were also kettled inside of the building. Uh, we were beaten up on the sidewalk, and there, you know, one of our photographers got, she, she's, she's about 60 years old, she got hit with her knee, uh, she got a baton hit into her knee, sorry, and then they, the group that was inside the building got stuck inside the building, even though they were trying to leave, which is really common in this sort of kettling thing that we're talking about, right? So kettling is when the cops basically come in on you on all sides, and tell you that you have to leave the protest is over, but you can't leave. And then so you get arrested or beat up. So they kettle people on the sidewalk and inside of the building. And one of the people who got kettled and arrested was an 80-year-old woman um, who was then put in a van, you know, without any windows. And that's just one example of sure. how things are going now. Um, and it's that's pretty common, unfortunately. Right. And we were here at the uh, independent office uh, in downtown Brooklyn uh, last month. 
uh, when we saw about 25 uh, police officers just down the street and they were gathered around a, a tiny group of uh, uh, trade unionists from um, 32BJ who were protesting outside of the offices of uh, city councilman Stephen Levin, uh, mm-hmm. urging him to s- support some legislation they favored. And I couldn't think of a group that's, you know, less likely to cause trouble. And, and th- there were more police there than there were members of, of that union. Right. And not only are they not dangerous, but they, this group called the PD ahead of time, the NYPD ahead of time and said, look, we're going to have a protest. Do we need a permit? You know, there's going to be 20, 30 of us. And they said, no, that's fine. You don't need a permit. You're going to be on the sidewalk, whatever. So they show up and, you know, yeah, then there's more cops. There's like 20 protesters, 25 cops, a white shirt, a bunch of arrest vans. And uh, I walked up to the community affairs officer because he was the only one sort of talking to the protesters. And I said, what's going on? Why are there so many of you? And he was like, I was wondering the same thing myself, but that's just our new... That's just our new status quo. That's how we approach protesting now. So, you know, that was um, in October. And, you know, everyone's talking about how they mishandled all the protests in in June. But the, the DOI report actually mentions that since, you know, there's been calls about the police brutality against protesters, that, they're, that they've started a new sort of training since then um, to try and better handle protests. But if that's what if that's the outcome of this training... You know, that's not yeah, it sounds like uh, they just want to completely smother them. And and, um, yeah. and one other group that's often at, at the center of a lot of trouble at these protests, uh, the, the the strategic response group, uh, this uh, pretty heavily armored uh, contingent of uh, of cops that show it, show up at different protests. Can you talk about them for a second? Yeah, absolutely. So the st- strategic response group is a group of um, bike cops who you've seen in photos or at protests as you've been at, and they're the guys who wear sort of these turtle suits, um, which got upgraded sometime this summer, and uh, who, who shove their bikes into your chest and scream, move back. Um, and they are have sort of dual purposes, which is they're an anti-terrorism group, but uh, they're also uh, like a, a protest policing group, essentially. So, you know, they have the resources to uh, act as anti-terrorism group, and they're funneling those into quelling protests. Yeah, this sounds like maybe part of the root of the problem here, that that they would have a a, a squad of, of police that identify as being, you know, anti-terrorist uh, uh, fighters. At the same time, they're, they're uh, covering uh, or um, policing uh, peaceful protesters. So they seem to be really confused about their their mission here. Um, but just to sort of broaden out for a moment, we, we, we have a couple more minutes here. Uh, mm-hmm. What's happening now is, is not – this is not the first time we've seen this. So you talked to some people, um, in, including a, a lawyer who's been suing the police for these sort of uh, violations of, of people's rights going all the way back to the 2004 RNC protests as well as Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, and I am going to hearken back really quickly to the last question, because when I was talking to that lawyer, um, he was saying how, um, you know, that that anti-terrorism tactics and uh, anti-protest tactics 
have been conflated quite a bit in the eyes of the city and the NYPD. And I think that's just a really important vantage point for us to look from is that that's how the city sees protesters. And, you know, that's how it's not a new thing. Um, you know, at the RNC protest in 2004, uh, protesters were grouped onto um, an oily dock, an oily pier that um, the NYPD had rented from uh, the the MTA, and they were kept there for like a day, like covered in like asbestos and oil, all the stuff, and then brought to um, jail and kept there. Some of them for three days. So that was in 2004. You know, in 2011. We had Occupy. Oh, sorry. And after 2000, after the RNC protests, there were these critical mass bike rides, which some of our listeners might know about or have participated in. That kind of came out of the organizing that was, you know, uh, laid out during the RNC protest. And there were these huge bike rides around the city. And the the cops had a very very similar approach to what they have now, which is arrest and beat up these people to the point where they don't want to go back out. And it was working then, and I know this is bleak, but unfortunately it's working now. Um, and we saw a similar situation with Occupy. Right. We're going to have to wrap up here in about 30 seconds, but your, your sense is that this um, these police tactics are, are having an impact on, on the people who have been coming out to protest? They are, and they are integral to sort of the founding of the police. You know, since the the first days, since the Gilded Age, they were involved in union busting. Since throughout the 20th century, they busted a lot of protests, and it's happening now. And I think it's something we really need to look at as a city um, because it's beyond just bad cops. It's about the whole system that supports the cops. Okay, thank you, uh, Amba Gagarian, for sharing your, your thoughts and analysis. And I encourage everybody who can do so to pick up a copy of the new issue of The Independent that has Amba's uh, cover story on it. Thank you, John. And uh, John helped with that article, too. So uh, thanks to everybody, and thanks for having me on. Thank you, Amba. You really took the lead in, <laughs> in the reporting of all that. I was happy to just uh, help out a little bit with getting it across the finish line. All righty. So we'll be back uh, uh, after a short break. <laughs> 